0: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The attacker had very good knowledge of banking systems.
1: $2.1 billion
0: in stolen funds. The cyber a cybercriminal group. It was the Lazarus Group again. These are smart guys. The Lazarus Heist is back for a brand new season. We're following the latest twists and turns in the incredible story of the Lazarus Group hackers. The Lazarus Heist. Season 2 from the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
1: I'm Jasmine Elmer and this is Legit Classics. How this is going to work is I'm going to get someone that knows some stuff about things in their field... I'm going to take the things I know about the stuff in my field, bring this all together and give you something bigger than either of us can do on our own. Whether you're here for the lulls or the learns, buckle up, it's time to get legit. So today's episode is about happiness and joining me is the very talented Simon Alexander-Ong who is a life coach motivational speaker and author of the new book, Energise. Welcome, Simon. How are you today?
0: Jasmine, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you very much. And very glad to be on the show here today.
1: Brilliant. Well, I'm going to start with the question I ask everyone, which is, what do you know about classics? Have you studied it? Is it something that you've done at school or come across in your work? Like, What does it mean to you?
0: I never, I never started it at school. I, I think the closest I got to Uh, getting to the classics was doing a bit of Latin uh, in in my first couple of years of secondary school. But I think where I've come across a lot more is with my current work. So I started in the financial services industry, but I quit that to run my own business. As you said in my introduction just now, I'm a coach, I'm a speaker and author. And it's through that work that I came through the classics via the stoic philosophy and the way that they Mm -hmm. saw life and, and wisdom.
1: Cool. Well, those bad boys are going to be coming in a lot today because obviously we're going to be talking about happiness and a lot of that is a philosophical idea. So Mm. you did a bit of Latin at school then, you said. So did you get a chance to choose it, and then you dropped it at some point, point. you're like, absolutely not. I mean, don't worry, it's safe, safe here. you can say what you
0: want. Well, well funny enough, <laughs> it was compulsory for, I think it was the first three years of secondary school, so I think it was year seven to nine, uh, when I was in secondary school, it was compulsory, and then after that, we had the choice to choose other languages. So I went to choose French and, and German, uh, and it was at that point, I, I dropped Latin purely because I thought, well, actually, I can probably use French and German when, when I go on holiday with my family. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've had that question before with kids in class. They go, Miss, you know when you do French and you go to France and you can talk it, yeah, where do you go to do Latin? (laughs) (laughs) Technically, you could go to the Vatican City. because it's still an official language there, but... uh. Yeah, too. I'm not sure
0: (laughs) I actually use the French and German as much now because I very quickly forgot it. In fact, now when people say, can you speak Mm. French or German, the closest I get is just mimicking the accent.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously... Kids do Latin. Don't do drugs, do Latin. That's what I'm going to say. That's my little phrase. Obviously, we've got you here today. And, you know, your work personally is really important to me because I'm somebody that very much believes in the power of mindfulness. I use Mm. it every day. I meditate. Uh, I'm not a religious person. I don't necessarily go too far into the spiritual with that. But I do find that I've become, certainly the older I've got, Mm. and life has happened more. Perhaps I've become more attuned to the fact that, there are certain things that I can control about the way I'm living my life. Mm. So, this one, this particular topic is really important <laughs> to me. And I really hope that we're going to give people a few takeaways today from your side, you know, practical things mm. from your side, but also kind of the wisdom of the ancients as well. So, the first question if you could build a recipe for happiness and mm. think about the kind of you know, contents of that, what do you think you'd include? So mm. obviously we're talking a lot here about philosophical ideas because it's quite hard for us to know how individual people dealt with the issue of happiness in their daily lives because we don't have a lot of evidence about that. But what we do have is what the philosophers say about it. know, there's this idea of eudaimonia. I don't know if you've heard of that before, no. which is a Greek term. Mm-hmm. And it literally means like well and spirit put together. So it's this notion that you can live a life with that state of being. It's not an emotion. It's not the emotion of happiness. Mm. And it has been mistranslated sometimes as being happiness. But actually, it's this kind of state of being rather than a feeling that you have in any given moment. Mm. They believe that virtue is one of the most important components or recipes Mm. for someone to have happiness. So when we talk about virtue, we really mean doing good things, like being a good person we're talking particularly particular Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, those sorts of people that kind of speak in that way. Um, How important do you think things like virtue is, being a good person as well? Is that one of the things you'd have put in your recipe?
0: Definitely. I I mean, if, if we talk about my recipe, I would summarize it through this uh, through this acronym GPS. Now the GPS, not in terms of your satellite navigation <laughs> Hang on system. Is <laughs>
1: that about to say, is that global positioning system or something?
0: But but my GPS stands for gratitude, progress, and service. So if I quickly oh. summarize each of them, and I think the last one their service touches on this uh, virtue of uh, of being a good person. So gratitude for me um, is, is the bedrock of happiness. Ultimately happiness begins with gratitude. And the key part of this is to be grateful with intent. You know, I think in today's society, a lot of us treat gratitude now as this sort of tick box item on your checklist. You know, you get to the end of the day and it's like, let me write down three things that I'm grateful for. It's sunny today, I got uh, a, a promotion, or this happened to me. And we flick to the next page and we go, okay, I'm ready for tomorrow's gratitude list. And so we tend to not connect deeper enough. To the feeling of gratitude. And so when I talk about gratitude with intent, it's actually pausing and actually connecting with the things, the people and the places that we are grateful for. It's why Pam Grout in her book, Thank and Grow Rich, described gratitude as the gateway drug to abundance. And in my book, there's an exercise I share in which we can energize and uplift our mood instantly when we express gratitude with intention and it's very simple it's write down the name of someone that you can be grateful for write down why you chose that person and then pick up your phone call that person and tell them exactly what you wrote down now
1: Oh, I love that. I love that, Simon. That's, I mean, I don't think the ancients could have done that, but I do love that.
0: That's fantastic. And now people might not be comfortable with doing that. And so if you want a softer step, simply record a voice note and send it to that person. But the key with mm. this is that they hear your voice because there's a certain level of emotion that comes across for our voice that doesn't come across if we were just to type something on on email or on a messaging app. Yeah. So that's the first one, G is for gratitude. P is for progress. And that would be part of my recipe because when I look at my life to date, uh, Jasmine, it has been from expanding my comfort zone, doing things that I never thought that I could ever do that has shown me what true happiness can be. It's the fact that you're constantly showing yourself what you're capable of um, and what you have the potential to accomplish. So for me, progress has to be part of that recipe. And then the last one, S, service. It really touches on something that I am a big believer of. And that is the fact that our value is determined by how much more we have given to the world than we have taken from it. And this connects to what you were sharing just now about the virtue of being a good person. Because when we are a good person, it doesn't just serve us, but it also impacts the recipient of us being a good person. In fact, when we inspire someone, we don't just touch that person's life we touch every single individual that will ever come into contact with that person. That is the ripple effect emotion. So for me, it would be Mm -hmm. GPS. But ultimately, one thing to caution Jasmine, is that whatever your recipe, it is something that is going to be very personal to you. And so what I've done in my life to arrive at this philosophy is treat all of these inputs, whether it's a video I've watched, a podcast I've listened to, a book I've read, a conversation that I've come out of, and then drawn the parts that resonate most with me, blend it into my own recipe, if you will, and that becomes my own way of living.
1: There is definitely a bit, like you say, in certain elements of that that come from these ancient mm. philosophical ideas, you know, these kind of, especially this this idea of virtue or kind of being a good person. Mm. But then, you know, can we think about happiness in, in terms of what, almost like what you shouldn't do, the mm. opposite of it, what makes you unhappy? So there are certain philosophers... um That describe happiness Epicureans for example Mm. That describe it as An absence of like mental worry Epicureans are obsessed With this notion of pleasure and pain Mm -hmm. So pleasure is the good thing Pain is the bad thing (laughs) We want to make choices that put us towards pleasure. But, you know, there's an absence of mental worries means Mm. you can be happy or the pursuit of hedonistic things can make you happy. Mm. Or, you know, kind of so have you got like, you know, can we think about it in that particular? How do we accept the mental issues that come along with being unhappy as Mm. part of our recipe for happiness? Because we can't avoid them. So other than your GPS, are there any additional things that you might kind of give people as tips to deal with? Really, unhappiness. Definitely. And I
0: think that's where the technique of a not-to-do list can come in handy. Because, you know, for a lot of us, we have a to-do list. What are the things that I'm going to get done today? But many of us simply don't finish it because we keep adding to that to-do list and it becomes never-ending. But with a not-to-do list, you choose a small number of items that you write down so you can remember what they are. And then that helps you to focus on what matters most. So as an example of something to put on the not-to-do list... You said just now about not focusing on things that you can't control or worrying about things that you simply have no influence upon. And that's very much part of that. Because if we focus on the things that we cannot control, what happens is that we become paralyzed by overthinking. You know, we get so caught up in our mind about what if this happens, what if that happens? Whereas when we focus on what we can control, we become energised and empowered to take action.
1: No, that makes perfect sense. And I wanted to ask you as well, because I don't know if how many people turn up. <laughs> or, I, I imagine in my head, you're like a therapist and you've got this like lovely chair that people sit on. It's probably not like that. It's probably more like a Zoom chat or something. But mm. I'm just wondering about, you know, materialism, because the world we live in today mm-hmm. is so much more materialistic. Um, you know, people are, are really interested in gaining yeah i want that house i want that car those are their measures of success and therefore happiness so we need to kind of discuss materialism if we're thinking about the idea of a recipe for happiness Mm. so you know the 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 philosophers kind of generally they don't usually agree on most things but this one (laughs) they reasonably agree on which is you know they advocate mostly for a life of minimal stuff Mm. you shouldn't find or seek pleasure and happiness in things Mm. because things are fleeting and that you should rely on... There's a self-sufficiency for your happiness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, okay, it might be nice to have a shiny car. Uh, obviously, they didn't think of a car. Of course, <laughs> that's a bad example. But it might be nice to have a shiny life in some description. But if you become identified with that and make and believe that's where your happiness is, then you, will be, you wouldn't be good. So what do you think about materialism? What's your advice on materialism as a way to happiness?
0: I think it's good to have some materialism in our life. It's, it's a good reward for progress that we have made. But I think there's a fine balance between owning things versus the things owning you. And that is why for me, minimalism does play uh, a big role in in the way I live. If you look at my social media, for example, you'll notice that in nine of every 10 photos, I will be in a black t-shirt, jeans and Adidas trainers. I I mean, that is my uniform.
1: Is that your uniform?
0: <laughs> and what it means. The
1: uniform of a happy man. Exactly.
0: The uniform of a happy man. I wake up in the morning, I open my drawer. Oh, which black t-shirt do I wear today? There's not much <laughs> choice that has to go on there. And, and, and so for me, I think there's a lot that we can. And I, and I took that as a lesson from the likes of Steve Jobs, Mark Zuckerberg, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. And now for me, by simplifying the decisions that I have to make each day, what happens is that I have mental capacity for the more important stuff. Because if I'm taking up a lot of my mental energy by thinking about well, what am I going to wear today? How do I look in that? Uh, Is this appropriate for this event or that event? What happens is that all of those hours start to add up. And I remember thinking to myself, well, what could I do with those hours if I had them back? Uh, You know, that's also a funny reason of why I've kept my hair very short, because I actually had longer hair. I went for a period in my teenage years where I would apply broad cream and gel up my hair to look like Sonic the Hedgehog.
1: (laughs) Was it the 90s? It sounds like the 90s.
0: Very very much the 90s. And so that would take me 30 to 40 minutes every morning to kind of do up my hair and get ready to go out. And I remember the Mm. first time I got my hair cut, got a zero all around when I went to the hairdressers. Suddenly, I didn't have to do my hair every morning. That saves me 40, 45 minutes every single day. Uh, and, and so, some of these processes that I built into my routine and everyday life to simplify things actually gave me more capacity to focus on the things that were more meaningful.
1: Now, listen, most people have seen my face. They know I like, <laughs> most people know that I like a bit of lipstick, I like a bit of makeup, I like my fashion. So, I hear you say this, but I enjoy those things. Mm. So it that would be different for me though, right? Because I know you talk about personalized.
0: Exactly, exactly. And and I think this is where it comes this is where it comes into understanding what happiness means for you. In the same way that success will mean different things for each of us. Uh, for one person success may be getting to a C-level position in a company. For other people it might be being a good mother or father. Uh, for other people it might just be a life of service. Now we will have very different definitions. For me, I, I simplify uh, my clothing. I simplify my grooming process. But where I enjoy focusing my energy on is learning. It's traveling. It's, uh, it's eating out. You know, the food experience is something that my wife and I are very passionate about. So, some people may prefer not to dine out in, in, in certain places or eat a certain way for my wife. Now we eat everything. And so that's where my adventurous side of myself comes out really to explore, to taste and to try things that maybe we've never done before.
1: To me, that's one of the things that makes me really happy mm. is adventure, the pursuit of adventure. So you can do that in little microwaves every day, <laughs> can't you? It's not all about getting on a plane and ending up in Bali, although that is really nice. It's also about in the little microwaves each day that mm. you, you kind of foster this spirit of adventure. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> we touched a little bit uh, already on kind of the idea of resilience Mm. and adversity and what we're saying and kind of how do we consider that Mm. in the context of happiness, right? So if I think about the ancient world, the number of challenges that they would have to deal with on a daily basis Mm. far outweighs um, us because obviously mortality rates are higher. Shelter might be more difficult to come by food. Mm. I mean, it's a tough old world Mm. back then. It still is. But in some ways we have an element of buffering that goes on by living in a modern world, Mm are we getting more or less resilient um you know where's that going and and how important is resilience to us in facing all these these adverse all this adversity that's going on you know right now pandemic mm. all these things that go on on a daily basis war in ukraine everything going on so there's this very famous saying isn't it be yeah. stoic when mm. someone says to you oh i i'm dealing with this issue i'm being very stoic about it so we even use that term which is obviously uh, the t- the group of philosophers that belong to the mm. Stoic school of thought. So, being Stoic, what do you think being Stoic means? So, if someone said to you today, "I'm going to be Stoic about it," how would we summarise it today? Its meaning,
0: it's essentially, because when you shared that with me just now, Jasmine, and, and the idea of being Stoic, what came straight to my mind was a was this sort of short Taoist story about an old farmer. You may have heard of this already, in which an old farmer who has farmed his crops for many years, one of his horses bolts out of the village one morning. And the neighbors come together, and they offer their condolences to the farmer. And he replies simply to these neighbors, maybe, maybe not, in response to the fact that they said this was bad luck. The next morning, the horse comes back to the village, with it comes four untamed horses. And the neighbors rejoice and said what great luck to the farmer that this fortune has bestowed you and the farmer simply replies maybe maybe not and the next day the farmer's son gets injured breaking his leg while tending to one of these wild horses the neighbors again react by saying what bad luck the farmer says maybe maybe not and on the final day the army comes through the village recruiting all able-bodied men to fight in the war except the farmer's son and the farmer replies again on their neighbor's response on what great luck that your son is spared maybe maybe not and so i think being stoic is about not getting caught up emotionally in the same way that those neighbors did in that story when something unexpected happens because in life you are always going to face challenges setbacks and failures but actually what is more powerful is how we choose to respond to it and if we act more like that farmer or we act in a stoic capacity what happens is that we can pause we can step back and we can choose a different response because very often a lot of us we tend to react very quickly we tend to judge a situation and more often than not it is in a negative way but actually when we can pause step back and think well what else could this mean then we begin to choose our response in a more measured way Uh, and so something I shared in the book Jasmine in which I described that There is, in fact, no one reality. You know, a lot of us think we're living in the same reality, but that isn't the case. We're actually living in very customized realities because Mm -hmm. when an event happens, so you've you've shared some challenges, whether it's Ukraine, it's the COVID pandemic, it's the financial crisis, it's inflation, whatever events that are happening outside of your control, they're they're just that, they're simply events. Now, Mm. the meaning that we choose for them, via our interpretation of them, defines the choices, the habits, and the actions that we take. So when we have the ability to choose a new meaning for it, what happens is we then choose very different actions. So I think being stoic is the ability to react in a very calm and measured way to whatever is going on and choosing a response that is far more productive than getting called up in that situation that we often have no control over.
1: I agree that like, I think what stoic is today has, has slightly changed Mm. from what it probably meant in the ancient world, because it's not all positive. Mm. So I think today we use the word stoic in a very, I think it's quite a positive thing. You know, if someone's, if you see, oh, that person's very stoic. It's seen as a kind of You know Desirous trait Mm. in someone You think Oh Mm. great Okay Uh, (laughs) I wish I could be like that Um, But you you know Like in some ways It's almost like A controlling of the emotions Mm. As well Which In some ways Is not always the right thing You're trying to Like domesticate Almost your emotions Mm. That can be That can have a negative Or adverse effect on Mm. you I think So And you know You talked about Like all these random events Happening in your your story That you gave (laughs) And you know Kind of what's happening today But you know There's also, philosophers think about this kind of metaphysical world. So the world made up of like atoms and bits yeah. and pieces, you know, these kind of ancient philosophical ideas there. What I like about that is there's this sort of notion, I'm gonna swear now, that <laughs> shit happens, mm. i.e., that random, random events can occur at any point. Mm-hmm. So, in this sense, you mustn't get so attached to your external situation mm. because it's gonna change. It's gonna change yeah. and it can happen at any moment. Um, and I think that's kind of at the core of your story that you gave about the farmer. Mm. You know, these these ideas are thousands of years old, and they're still they're still they're really pertinent. And I guess it's because this is the human condition. It doesn't really matter what world we live in. Mm. We we know we want to be happy. We want to be healthy. So, you know, my favorite person that writes in the ancient world um, philosophy um, mm. is Marcus Aurelius. Mm. Um, and his meditations, it's my fa- one of my favourites. Mm. And I love it so much because it just really is, you could literally just pick it up and assume it's something that someone's written today, some kind of psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> my favourite quote of his is, you have power over your mind, mm. not outside events. Realise this and you will find your own strength. Mm. So this is very much what we we're saying about this. You can control your inner world a little bit but you can't yeah. control your outer world and kind of finding some acceptance about that. But the Epicureans, we spoke about them earlier on. So they, there's this, this sort of branch of philosophy, <laughs> right, a bit later on. They had this, this measure. Mm. If you imagine the scale of happiness and excitement and all the lovely things and at mm. the other end, like kind of, you know, adversity and difficulty. And then they had a calculator and they called the best bit pleasure and the mm. worst bit pain. Um, and they they want to stick around in the pleasure bit, shock mm. horror. You know, you kind of want to get to pleasure. <laughs> the advice was when you're faced with a situation, you ought to use this calculator, i.e. go through the, the mm. pros and cons in your head to work out is something pleasurable or is something painful mm. and then choose accordingly. It mm. reminds me of those like adventure books, right? You know, when you, <laughs> you get to a chapter, and you get to go, what does Simon do next? Yeah. Um, but the idea is that you can can get choice. But there is a little tiny little caveat in this, which I think is really cool because it, it relates to what we're talking mm. about, which is um, sometimes you might need to choose pain yeah. because it would lead to greater pleasure mm. afterwards. Mm. So mm. I think, you know, some, there's lots of nuance and kind of detail in this ancient thinking. A
0: lot of these messages are timeless. Uh, they, they've just been, re, I guess, reinterpreted in very new ways that are more uh, applicable to the modern world. I mean, especially the idea of going inward and understanding yourself. I mean, this was a big, um, this was a big thing with, with the way the Stoics sort of world is that. An, unexamined life is not worth living, right? And so if you look at today's world, one of the popular sayings is the fact you cannot have self-development without self-awareness because you can't change what you're not aware of. And so if we are in the pursuit of wisdom, that begins with understanding ourselves first. And so when you hear people talk about slowing down in order to speed up or slowing down is a superpower, Now in this world, that is far more meaningful because we have so many distractions around us and so this message of slowing down has greater meaning today than perhaps in a time where You didn't have all those distractions around you. You you had different distractions, but not the same distractions that you have today.
1: Yeah, well, that's really interesting because actually they do talk about distractions, Mm. especially in Rome, where there are more urban Mm. centres. And there is a lot of talk uh, amongst philosophers, especially in the Roman period, which is this notion of taking yourself away Mm. from the town, from the city, into the countryside to get mental clarity. Yeah. So in fact, although that feels like a very modern idea, it's not. Indeed, it's been around for a long mm. time because you know these these urban centres. Uh, it was the idea was to kind of take yourself away from all mm. the kind of dodgy gossip and stress <laughs> and rubbish that goes on in the middle of Rome, and take yourself into the countryside. Not just for the physical relaxation mm. or the air, but also for a time of mental clarity. To be with yourself, especially Seneca, um, one of the, you know, kind of Roman advisors to Nero, but Mm. Roman philosopher and statesman.
0: Want to discover more great podcasts like the one you're listening to right now? Podchaser is the world's most comprehensive podcast database with advanced search, user lists guest profiles ratings reviews and much more across over 4.5 million podcasts you can even find podcasts just like this one with our similar podcast feature discover your new favorite podcast today by going to podchaser.com discovery
1: the last thing i want to talk about what is the highest form Of happiness, I think the feeling of being in love Mm. is probably the highest feeling of a happy feeling Mm. that somebody can get to. So I'm thinking they're more probably romantic love, but obviously there's, you know, all different Mm. types of love as well. And I'm sort of, I guess I'm slightly arguing, like, do do we think it's the highest form of happiness? I imagine you might work with a number of people Mm. that don't have love and kind of define their lives by the pursuit of it or... Mm. You know, if I've got it, I'm good. If I don't have it, I'm not good. You know, people who are single, they're they're seeking it, you know, and I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm just saying it's an observation, I think, about Mm. how we are. So it got me thinking about love in the ancient world then, obviously. shock. that's what I do (laughs) all day, every day. I just sit here thinking, oh, what did the Romans think? Um. But, you know, on one hand, there are all these cults. Mm. to love. I mean, you probably, we all know the gods and goddesses of love. So we have Aphrodite, mm. we have Eros, we have Cupid, mm. you know, the Roman version. So we have these gods. So there's actually like, a, you know, a goddess of love. <laughs> you know, there are the mini gods of love, you know, kind of the little sidekicks. You've got Eros and Cupid in Roman, the Roman period, um, you know, there. So we have all of these these, these gods. And, and more importantly, what people need to recognise is that there are temples cults people are physically worshipping Mm. at these temples uh and 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 asking for love you know this Mm. is something that's going on it's easy for us to keep chatting about philosophers. How many people in their daily lives are kind of sitting there going, "Oh, I need yeah. to really consider what Plato says about this." I don't know, but what I do know is when there's a temple and there's archaeology, <laughs> you know that regular folk are going there. Yeah. And and I've got a wicked thing to share with you because it's not just going to temples and asking the gods for love or to. Mm. Sometimes obviously you've got to be honest. Romans and Greeks are very much into physical love, mm. so there would be loads of that. But also, I think you know the thing that i kind of want to add is there's also this element of magic and Mm. i thought you'd love this because i didn't know you were going to talk about magic but you (laughs) kind of like magic so uh that we have examples of of love spells Mm. um and i found one i'm actually just gonna it's a papyri and i'm just gonna actually go through it quickly so you gotta take a seashell Uh apparently this is like you found this on a papyri take a take a seashell gotta say that carefully Seat shell and um, write holy names on it. Mm -hmm. I don't know which holy names these (laughs) are, Um, but you've got to write them with the blood of a black donkey. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me why. (laughs) And then recite a formula, and then the person that you want to love will come to you. So there's all manner of these kind of (laughs) wacky, mad ways of like trying to make someone fall in love with you. We know that ordinary people are interested in this Mm -hmm. as well. So you know, what 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 are your thoughts on? the pursuit of love is the highest form of happiness.
0: It's interesting because when you when you shared love, for me, my, my book's about energy, and for me, love is the highest form of energy. And so when we think about happiness, the words that came into my head, in addition to your word there, Jasmine, love, was also peace, love and peace. Now, when I think about love, yes, the obvious is the physical side, uh, because if we look back at our first crush, just imagine how much we would do despite the obstacles so you might have a a full diary on a weekend and then your crush suddenly says actually I now have a free spot to meet up for coffee on Saturday afternoon. Do you want to meet up? Suddenly,
1: Simon, Simon, I've got to pause you <laughs> here for a minute. What thirteen-year-old or whatever crush age is? It, it, it's got a full diary at a weekend and having coffees.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Now, and,
1: sorry to interrupt. No, no.
0: <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, you know, you know, crush can happen at any time, right? So, uh, sure. so what happens is that suddenly you make space, and, and that's the power of love. Suddenly, you find the energy to make things happen. Now. It's not just in our personal lives, but it's also with work. When you do something you love, you show up very differently. You act very differently. Uh, When you are part of a community uh, fighting for a cause, a cause that you love, again, you show up very differently. You would travel across continents, across the world uh, to be together with other people who share that love of yours. And so for me, love can do some wonderful things for us uh, and can result in happiness but also it's the element of peace you you know being at peace with the things that you can't control being at peace with things that have happened in your life being at peace with the fact that you are who you are and you might not get everything you want so what happens is that just finding peace and living in the present is a very powerful place to come from because often a lot of us haven't found peace whether that is with the bad parts of our character, things that we've done wrong in the past, or uh, things that we've experienced ourselves in the past, or the fact that we can't control much of our future. I mean, a lot of those things actually end up controlling us. And so we don't live in the present, we live in this tragic scenario of living as if we're never going to die and then dying having never really lived. And so when we can actually find peace in some of these things, what happens is that we ground ourselves more in the present.
1: Can I can I clarify then? What are you saying the relationship between peace and love is? And are you saying you need peace first in order to? Or are you saying they're the same thing? Or are you saying that peace is the highest form of Yes, so I'm not saying
0: one or? is higher than the other. I'm saying both elements are important uh, when it comes okay, to thinking about uh, happiness. Uh, because if you're not at peace with, for example, something that happened to you in the past, then it's very difficult to be happy. Because what, happened, what happens here is that you're dwelling in the past, you're living in the past. And so you can't actually savour the beauty and magic of the present because... That's not where your energy is. And so that's where peace plays a role. Love plays a role in the fact that love is the highest form of energy. And when we do things from a place of love, what happens is that we show up differently. We start to awaken dormant forces and talents within us that have previously just been left asleep.
1: You're talking about love very much as a... Well, as a guiding force, yeah. actually, for good, when you when you're talking about it, when you come from the place of love. Whereas, like I said, I think the philosophers and in the ancient world, they're a little bit more obsessed with <laughs> the physicality yeah. of love, right? I mean, I'm not even. This is a whole nother podcast, so we're going to do that another time, people. You know, I'm thinking about one of the most famous works about love is Plato's Symposium, mm. which is where you know Plato imagines a a group of people having a discussion that sort of symposium mm. that's what a debate is part of that and the debate is all about love often it can come from a physical mm. sense but obviously the symposium is it talks about all factors all different types of love and what um, kind of what is the nature of love but there's one bit of it that I think is super famous mm. that I just wanted to to raise which is the uh, one of the guests is um uh, Aristophanes the the uh-huh. playwright so obviously this is imagined it's not real um it's not like a news report <laughs> um and Aristophanes um speaks speaks of a myth where uh, human beings used to be like put together mm. so you know as two as 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 a whole and was split into halves uh, by the gods as a punishment so um and that is why we seek love so desperately mm. because we are searching for our other half and without our other half, mm. we can't be whole. <laughs> and I wanted people to know, well, first of all, because I love a bit of myth, mm. but also we talk, I mean, you know, my, I'm married. Some people you you, you say your other half mm. when you speak about your, your partner, your mm. husband, your wife. Um, so that's kind of an interesting notion because I think a lot of people would feel the pull of love as being mm. something outside of themselves because it is the one thing. I don't think you can control. Mm. So we were talking about this inner world and peace. But if you really want to love, to fall in love, you can't force that. Sure, you can date more or fight, you know, but you can't really find that and I think that in some ways that's embodied in Aristophanes's story of mm. us yearning for something beyond our control I mean because this is the realm of gods in that in, yeah. in the myth it's the realm of the gods and people worshiping in in temples mm. it's the realm of the gods it's out of our control it's that fate versus free will thing so you know I think today that a lot of people feel that love is out of their hands that they can't really choose it it has it has to just come to them
0: yeah i think that do you you
1: feel that that's right I, i guess
0: i agree and i disagree in some ways uh so i agree in the sense that when we are seeking love of course a lot of that is out of our control in the sense that you are relying on somebody else to reciprocate that love back to you So if you really love somebody for you to sort of find that match, they also have to have similar feelings for you. And that's not something you can always control. So I would, I would agree on that side. The part that I would disagree is the sense that actually we can have some influence on increasing the likelihood that we meet someone who is a match for us. So in the sense that if you don't love yourself first, how can you love someone else? or how can someone else love you if you, if you don't love yourself first, because what happens is that you start to treat yourself different. And so when you show up in the world, you send out a very different energy to if you actually do love yourself, you treat yourself well and you show up in public, you come across very different. And people can feel that. That's that's what I would call energy. Yeah. You, you know, if you yeah. look through time, it's been given different names uh, in different cultures and and. and Backgrounds and experiences, but we're all talking about the same thing is that we all vibrate at a certain frequency. And so when we are punishing ourselves, when we're thinking little about ourselves, that doesn't send out. A particularly attractive form of energy but when actually you believe that you have value in the world you love yourself you value who you are in the world then what happens is that sends out a very different form of energy and that's what can make us more attractive you, you know when you go into a room for example and you know you see two people uh, that you're deciding who should I go and start a conversation with you're naturally gonna be drawn to one person over the other even though none of them have said a single word and you probably can't explain why but you might just say I was just attracted to speak to that person. Now, that's what we call energy, that there's a force or something they sent out uh, that, that sort of makes you want to come into their field. Whereas the other person who may not be so sure of him or herself and doesn't really value him or herself will send out a very different signal. So I do think there's an element of which we can influence uh, and there's also elements that we cannot control. And, and, and that's why we've got to, Respect both sides of that. If we are looking to improve our love lives or improving that area of our of our relationship,
1: so just to finish this off, Seneca, our favorite favorite <laughs> man, um, Seneca says that um, love is friendship gone mad. <laughs> a lot of philosophers talk about friendship, the 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 love that comes along with friendship, mm. and that is therefore this concept of a platonic love, mm. um, which is obviously from Plato. As being actually the highest form of love. So, if Mm. we were talking today, that we're kind of insinuating in some ways that the feeling of romantic love or something along those lines is the highest form. But I would say that for the Greeks and Romans, it's friendship, Mm. the love of friendship is the highest form of love. And that is because there is so much emphasis on the kind of relationship Mm. that men had with one another. Again, there is a physical one. It won't, you know, Mm. we know this about um, ancient Greeks that. There are relationships between men that are more than just sexual. They are sexual, but they mm. are so, also about passing of knowledge and understanding mm. one another. Society's kind of based a little bit on this, the platonic mm. or kind of love of fr- the friendship type of love. Um, do you think we need to value that friendship type of love a little bit more today? Absolutely. I think we have more friends because of social media followers. I know they're followers, but friends, <laughs> you know, you, you could say you have a lot of friends and, and mm. actually perhaps we need to invest more in our friendships or focus on those a little bit more? What do you think? Absolutely.
0: I mean, you only have to look at uh, articles in in, in recent years or even books that have spoke about what contributes to happiness and also long life. And you will see that community plays such a strong role in that. Uh, There's a book, I can't remember the author, but the book is called Blue Zones. And the author travels the world to look at Countries and regions uh, where they have particularly long lifespans, and one of the biggest contributors to that is this feeling of being part of a of a community. And so I think that taps into what you're talking about there, Jasmine, about this sort of friendship, uh, th- th- this love that you have around you. So that when you do go through moments in your life in which you face challenges, you have setbacks, or you're going through a particularly tough time, you do have. Uh, a loving community around you, in which you can share that with, and who can support you in navigating your way back out of it.
1: I think there's so much about what makes us happy. So many mm. components. <laughs> like we've, got, we've gone through so many things today. So I'm trying in my own head because I'm, you know, slightly taking away <laughs> this for myself, um and for everyone else out there. Kind of like what, what, what are the main takeaways? Not. Being too caught up in the thoughts in your own head mm. and understanding your your internal peace and your external that's a that's absolutely an ancient idea. Mm. Love the concept, you know, understanding love and kind of how we deal with adversity. Mm. So, you know. Really? I wonder how they'd have taken you in the ancient world. I think You'd have been a philosopher back then, Simon. They would have been like, oh, look at this philosopher guy.
0: I would have loved to go to those symposiums, you know, to go there and, and have a long afternoon discussion about particular topics uh, that we've spoken about yeah. today.
1: <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have loved it. Are you going to go and update your website now and write? author, life coach, philosopher uh, <laughs> in there because you could because these are such philosophical ideas. But it's been it's been fascinating talking to you. Thanks so much. Now, there is a little thing to do before we finish up, which is I ask all my guests to play a little game with me and the okay. game is called Legitimates because um, this is legit classics mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to know if essentially modern today happiness and ancient happiness can be mates i'm just mucking around mm.
0: mates.
1: <laughs> so what you do is you get 60 seconds mm-hmm. and i just want you to free flow anything that you've learned today any takeaways any points you want to make anything at all that you found interesting in the 60 seconds and i'm going to give you a little timer i'm just going to set it all up now Um, If you're game for that, I reckon you can do it.
0: I'm game. I guess I'll get a a shout out when I've got like 10 or 15 seconds I
1: will tell you when you've... I will tell you... I'll sort of give you a little countdown. (laughs) So what I want you to do is I'll give you the countdown and I'll tell you when the time's up. All right, you ready? Perfect. I'm ready. Okay, three, two, one, Simon.
0: Perfect. Well, one of the elements that we spoke about today was around pain and pleasure. Now, if you look back at your life... Just as I have done in the past, what you will come to realize is that actually in those moments of pain, in those moments of setback, in those moments of failure, they were the very moments that equipped you with the wisdom, the insight and the skills to come back stronger and to create life's most beautiful moments. When I lost my mom, when I failed my second year of university, when my first two businesses failed. They weren't great, admittedly, at the time, but in hindsight, they opened my mind to lessons I would not have come across otherwise. They taught me things such as to live in the present, to not take life for granted, to feel grateful, to understand that we all have the capacity to create our most magical, beautiful world life in our hands
1: oh time up oh very beautiful do you know what I like there is you didn't actually do the the summary of the classics
0: (laughs) which is fine
1: you freestyled it but you basically performed like a philosopher so I kind of really really enjoyed that thank you so much and it's really good to kind of get some practical tips people are struggling out there it's a hard time I hope that some of this has lifted their spirits and helped them consider what their own recipes for Mm. happiness might be and you know kind of Go away, obviously, with the classical knowledge <laughs> underpinning all of it, but uh, just something for people out there to, to ponder upon. But uh, thank you so much for your time, Simon. It's been brilliant, and this has been Legit Classics with Simon Alexander Ong and Jasmine Elmer.
0: Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and I am the host of the award winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I have daily author interview podcasts, over 1,600 of them, that I've recorded over the last five years. Hear from all your favorite best selling authors, celebrities, and more, even if you're too busy to read the books. Moms don't have time to read books. Again, that's Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Listen today.